0: Good morning, evening, and afternoon. Welcome to the year of the sandwich. Now today, we are going to address the number one camper's sandwich in the hearts and minds of most. A treat you may know simply called smalls. Yes, this summer classic is a childhood staple. Mosquito bites and campfires not included And it's been making our fingers and mouths sticky for what the internet tells me is at least 100 years. But likely a bit longer, right? Now, some of you may not have had the real chance to experience smalls in their niche environment. I mean, some of you may not have been able to go outside yet with COVID and cell phones and social media and lovely video games. But I'd encourage it. It can be sunny and warm. Maybe you've only run into the borrowed versions of s'mores that they sell in a store aisle. For one, you may have seen Kellogg's Pop-Tarts in a Smalls variety, the type S, which I'm gonna tell you in all honesty is so, so at best. I think we all know that the absolute best Pop-Tart flavor is, and you can say it with me altogether, brown sugar and cinnamon. Fight me in the comments if you disagree. But no questions asked, no questions answered. There is another variety that I saw online, and this is made by a small company called Hershey's. Now they actually usually make the chocolate that we look for when we're making s'mores the old fashioned way, but they seem to have upgraded their approach and they make a candy bar that's s'mores flavored, sort of like a weird looking Snickers. And I can say with confidence, your honor, I did not put my mouth on it. It must've been another chap because I have no idea what it tastes like. And from the pictures, it kind of doesn't look like it's terribly friendly anyway. If anyone out there has tried it, let me know. But of all the snacks in the realm of sugar, s'mores has to be a leading candidate for getting the Rather Awkward Name Award. Because honestly, every time I found a product with it, it's always in its plural. S'mores, s'mores. But I've heard that there may be a singular version you can find on Tinder if you swipe so one of the biggest issues i have with this namification is it's purely grammatical if i'm buying s'mores pop tots they're called s'mores flavored but if i'm buying an apple lolly it's just apple flavored not apples flavored right think of how mental you would sound ordering something you're like i'm wondering do you have any um cherry soda Or do you have that bubblegum and watermelons flavor people kick you right out thinking that you're having a stroke so the fact that s'mores is often done in the plural there is a singular version you can find on Wikipedia the small which is truly a contraction of the phrase some more it's very easy mystery to solve no Sherlocking but now that we know what it is we have to understand where it came from and where it may be going and also asking the ever important question is it even a proper sandwich should we be speaking about it at all now, to any episode as we get there, one of my responsibilities here at Year the Sandwich headquarters is to take these sandwiches and elevate them to a new precipice, build them a plinth, and really let them shine with better approach in ingredients. So, to understand smalls, we'll look at each component and figure out what they are and how they function. And the first one up, because there's only really three ingredients, right? It's not a mystery. Marshmallow, graham cracker, and chocolate. And we'll start off with the marshmallow. And it seems that this ingredient has a strange history, right? Because it actually goes back to the ancient land of Greeks and Romans from a plant called, and I'm going to passionately mispronounce everything, I guarantee, Althea officinalis. And this is where the first marshmallows came from. It was actually utilized as a medicinal something or other the roots and leaves, sort of like what they do with thickerish back in the day. And it was a laxative and helped with inflammation. Now, although small sometimes look like a laxative in your hand, thankfully they don't seem to encourage those reactions in the body. But it wasn't until the French, and all of their lovely passion for eggs and sugar, got a hold of this recipe that they first started marketing it as a treat rather than a medicine. And thus the modern sort of marshmallow, came into play now really they did it the french way i feel like whenever you come into france if they don't know what you have like what's that in your hand give it here let me mix it with some eggs and sugar and beat it into a foam see how it tastes see how it is and thus the first marshmallows were formulated and they called them passionately mispronounced pate de guimauve i'm going to put it at if there's any French listeners out there, please let me know and correct me. But it was generally like a like a vix, or a lozenge. It soothes the throat and tasted pretty good. And this is kind of how it continued for a while. Until they realized that costs were going up with this weird plant that's hard to get. So they started to use gelatin to replace this Althea plant. And thus the Martin Marshmallow was coalesced. It's pretty much just sugar and eggs with gelatin. Now I was lucky enough in elevating my sandwiches to actually find a Frenchman in America who was able to provide me with fresh pate de guimauve, fresh marshmallow, a man actually down and I would recommend it if you're locationally close, an area called Malvern, Pennsylvania, south of Philadelphia, little place called Strawberry Bakery. And let me just tell you, phenomenal smell of butter when you walk in, and I was surprised the one day to see small packs of strawberry flavored and I guess what you would call plain marshmallows available. Softer than an angel's wing, tasty little mechanisms, and uh, certainly what we will use to upgrade the marshmallow component. Now, the next thing we're going to think about is the Cracker's Gram. And this is because, funny enough, they were created for a much different purpose, just like marshmallow. It seems. That Crackers Graham were not there to snack. They were there as a contraceptive. Can you believe? So the thought process of this very creative gentleman, Mr. Sylvester Graham, a priest from New Jersey, just to the right of my state, said that he thought that people were on their way to moral collapse due to an obsession with their carnal desires. That's right, pretty much he said people are thinking way too much about sexy sex and it's got to stop. So his contraceptive approach was in food because he believed that what you ate was what made you randy. He literally thought that steak and wine would, as he was quoted, and this is all the way back in the brilliant year of 1847, that steak and wine would increase the... Sexual excitability of the genital organs So he is a man who's obviously very very open-minded his Counteraction was to create a baked good of Finely ground unbleached wheat flour wheat bran and coarsely ground germs So it's just a wheat sandwich it seems and out of this came a bland and dry cracker He named the cracker Graham after himself so it seemed that old Father Sly really was trying to stop you from liking the bedroom by making you hate dinner. And I believe that the cracker gram has changed greatly. The ones I often see will be coated in cinnamon and sugar. They have gotten much sweeter than what he envisioned, I'm sure. And for our crackers gram, actually, we'll get to there when we get there. But there is one ingredient left on the table. And that, my friends, is chocolate. Now that's the one ingredient I did not feel a need to investigate. You could do a whole season on just chocolate if you want to go historical. However, I think we all learned as children, right, exactly where chocolate comes from. You can say it with me again, chocolate comes from the river in Willy Wonka's factory that the Oompa Loompas attend to, right? And whoever that Willy Wonka passed it down to when he took that famous elevator ride at the end, that's where it comes from. So. Moving on, now that we have all of our ingredients in sight, when did they first start dancing, right? When did they first really coalesce into this s'mores phenomenon? And really, this is where we go back about a 100 years. It seems documentation is as early as 1927, and it was really the Girl Scouts who put this on paper finally. Now, they mentioned in the turn of the century, that it seemed that the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts were really the governing bodies of s'mores at that time. They were the reason why they were so popular already. So, in 27, there was a recipe in the Girl Scout manual for tramping and trailing. It's kind of interesting names, right? Because I know what trailing means, but tramping certainly hasn't aged well. I think if you say Girl Scouts are tramping nowadays, you're likely to get cancelled. So, at least back then, it made the recipe book in 27. But it was just called S'more, pre-contraction. As time moved on, it was found in further publications a decade later, in 1938. And this is where the term s'mores first appears. It's actually a summer camp cookbook. And then we go 20 years in the future, and the word s'mores is now common. It's constant and the ingredients are listed perfectly. A sandwich of two crackers gram toasted marshmallow, and one half of a bar of chocolate. And this, I believe, would be considered the standard of the S'more nowadays. Now, thankfully, the year after that recipe was truly put down, it received the Betty Crocker Red Spoon sign-off as it finally appeared in one of her cookbooks under the name S'more, specifically. So now we know that, really, they did consider it a sandwich at least. And it seems to be these three ingredients specifically. Now, my ears rang quite a bit when I read that still. Something didn't sit right with me. And the thing is, over the years, I've noticed that the size of things have changed. And so here we are, 1956-57, they're saying use one half of a bar of chocolate. And I'm wondering, Is a half of a bar back then the same as a half now? If everything else has changed, then can I really depend on these measurements? So I did a little investigation in how Hershey's, which I consider again, the great chocolate bar, the great American chocolate bar. It is sort of the standard of what chocolate bar sizing was, especially back then. So after a little bit of digging, it seems that Hershey's had a specific way of approaching their chocolate creation. So the man Hershey himself actually came from the Caramel Game in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Once again, another Pennsylvania treat. And after some mild success, he was introduced to chocolate in the late of his century. And in 1900, he finally created the company we know as Hershey's today. And he made chocolate. But his goal, his claim to fame was a five cent chocolate bar. And he wanted to keep it five cents for as long as he could. And he did pretty well. Technically, he kept it 5 cents for 69 years. Nicely done, Hershey. And the price didn't change up until the 1970s, really. However, to maintain such a beautiful price point, such a brilliant concept, instead of changing the price, he changed the size of the bar. So whereas I thought I was gonna find some standards, I really found large variety, right? Constantly flipping channels. And it went anywhere from 1 and 5 eighths in the 1940s, which for you math people out there is 1.625, to all the way down to 1 ounce in the mid-1950s. And then it went all the way back up to 1 and 3 eighths, and then 1 and a quarter. So really, at the time that they set this ingredients list, including one half of a chocolate bar, We were looking at somewhere around a half of an ounce, around the one ounce size bars were popular in the 1950s. Nowadays, the standard Hershey's bar is 1.55 ounces. So really you may be using slightly more chocolate than they did back then, but it seems dependent on the year to year basis of how Hershey's was doing as far as the ingredients costs. So. Between 1 and 1.55 would be the standard size chocolate bar. You're going to have a half of a bar be between 0.5 and 0.75. It's a 50% difference in sizing, folks. That is quite a bit of chocolate. So I would say use as much chocolate as is responsible. Half of a bar is quite of a lot nowadays, I think, you almost eat an ounce. Now, we truly understand exactly what smalls are supposed to be. And that leads us to the final question we have, which is, although they said it was a sandwich of, is it actually a sandwich as is? And to figure this one out, I actually went legal on it, right? Legal sandwiching. And we take a journey back to the ancient year of 2006 up in a state called Massachusetts. It seems there was a legal quarrel developing at a place they call the White City Shopping Center The city, Shrewsbury, Massachusetts. And the issue was contractual. You see, there was a restaurant called Panera Bread. And for those of you who may not know it, it's actually, I would say, a friend of the podcast. They don't give me money, but I'm always available if you ever want to call. Panera Bread is a sandwich shop. So they keep their sandwiches tight and they actually make their own bread from what I remember. So hats off to really keeping the bread fresh. Now, when they started operating in this shopping center they put in a contract and it said non-compete friends we are the only sandwich game in town you want to work in the shopping center too bad too late we've marked our territory and it is not going to happen so years in advance another restaurant comes into view in the blue trunks we have Qdoba Mexican Grill and this is a quick serve restaurant which is a fancy way of saying fast food today that makes tacos and burritos and quesadillas, you know, usual Mexican fare. And Panera's saying, you can't come onto my turf, one sandwich shop per shopping center. So it seemed they couldn't really get along and it made its way all the way up to a superior court, Judge Jeffrey Locke presiding. And he really sorted the business. And so we do have a legal definition at least in Massachusetts, of what a sandwich is and may not be. And I'm sure Judge Locke did not realize the full weight of his gavel as he swung it, because the difference, as he ruled, comes down to two slices of bread versus one tortilla. Now, these are his words, once again, not mine. A sandwich is not commonly understood to include burritos, tacos, and quesadillas, which are typically made with a single tortilla and stuffed with a choice of meat, rice, and beans. Obviously, that is not how you make a sandwich. And so, Qdoba was allowed to build and they were allowed to, I guess, in some way share the space with old Peter Panera. But it's very interesting because, you know, it looks like 14 years ago, they really did figure out a bread requires at least two things, sandwiching the ingredients, and you cannot achieve it with one. For those of you who are aware of my Instagram, and if you're not, at year of the dot sandwich, you will see a poster talking about euros or gyros, depending on where you come from, and talking about whether or not they qualify as a one-folded pita-taco or if it's actually a sandwich. And I think this judge is saying, nay, it is a taco, not a sandwich. So really, we are on the right side of history, boys and girls, because a graham cracker thing is a sandwich as long as it is sandwiching the ingredients. So smalls seems to qualify at least on a technicality. And thus we arrive at our final stage, the elevation of the smalls, because it is truly too sweet. I tried making just a basic one to remind myself of what lovely childhood memories could flood back in. And it just made me wince with the amount of sugar invading my bloodstream. So, I thought, how do we make it not only adult, but also it's the winter time, right? It's usually a summer treat, so I wanted it to make a holiday version. Something that we could depend on when the weather gets cold. Now I live in an apartment and they do not allow open fires on the promenade, so I had to use a small creme brulee torch to get my marshmallow to melt. However. I've already mentioned the marshmallow came from a French baker and I would recommend if you can't afford a French baker, go make it at home. It's actually not nearly as hard as you think, and it is absolutely worth it. Now for the Cracker's Graham, I actually tried two different options and one worked well better than the other. The first option I used a biscuit that's normally reserved for tea and or coffee called Lotus Biscoff. It's actually a Belgian brand delicious little cookie and uh beautiful for dipping however it has like a treacle caramel sort of under flavor it's very sweet dissolves quickly on the palate i would say is a very good stand-in for some graham crackers but i found a version that actually had a chocolate coating on the bottom and it was belgian chocolate they say so i felt like wow i'm just i'm winning on two front war i both get the chocolate and the upgraded cookie but then as I put the sandwich together, little marshmallow, kiss it with a torch. It was just even sweeter than the previous normal one I tried before, of just a regular s'mores ingredients because the Lotus Biscoff cookies were really just overly sweet. I mean, you can eat them on their own, no chocolate, no marshmallow. So it seemed I was really playing that one note song much too long of just sugar plus sugar equals sugar. So instead I created another version, and I can tell you right now, this truly was the "Piste de la resistance, which I'm sure I've mispronounced. That version starts off with a gingerbread shortbread cracker, actually made by a company out of Scotland called Walker's Shortbread Biscuits. And during the holiday season, they make a gingerbread one, which is phenomenal. It is a tad thick. So you do have to watch out for the bite. It is a rather tough bite, but the flavor was undeniable. And then the shapes of little men, which is great. They actually on the uh, package here have them with a little bow tie that they don't come with and a little top hat and cane. Truly some weird marketing, but delicious nonetheless. And if anything, as the superior court judge, Mr. Locke had said that it must be two slices of bread. I do have two slices of gingerbread, shortbread, so I feel like it's double the bread of most normal bread slicing. Now for the chocolate, I wasn't just gonna go with any old Belgian chocolate, it is the holidays. So I went with peppermint bark. And this of course is a chocolate layer with a white chocolate layer with some mint added into it and peppermint pieces from a candy cane. And this is really where the holiday flavor came from. Gingerbread, some peppermint bark, and then lastly, the fresh marshmallow aforementioned. Kiss it with a torch. Gave a little bit of a heavier kiss just to make sure that the chocolate got a little loose. And my friends, this is truly an elevated version of what children normally scream about. You can eat it as an adult. Small portions I would recommend. But there were a couple of things I did in research and development of this sandwich that I would recommend if you ever want to emulate it at home. One, if you're able to find Thin gingerbread. Please, thinnest is best. These shortbreads are like a quarter inch plus in thickness. It's a lot to get your teeth through when there's one on the top and on the bottom. The chocolate itself is actually rather thick. And it's thick I feel like even in regular smalls, let alone in this even bigger sandwich. So what I recommend is slicing what the French would call julienne, your chocolate, so that it can lay sort of on a chevron like on its side and that way your teeth don't have to do so much work and the marshmallow was perfect. Whatever's there. If you would like to see the example of what I'm talking about, you have to, you have to follow me on Instagram. You have to go to at ye of the sandwich, at ye of the dot sandwich, I should say. And uh, you'll see a little video of me putting it together a couple days ago as I was spiking my blood sugar late in the night. But that takes care of everything concerning smalls. Now we know what they are, what they mean. And how they came to be. And I would recommend if you have the time. And the room in your biology. Give it a shot. This year. Next year. Delicious little sandwiches that we've created. And uh, I believe that is all I have. If you like this kind of content. Please like, share and subscribe. We'll be back with you soon. With even more sandwich theory. And sandwich practice. And until then. It's been lovely. And I'll see you at the table.